How's it going, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of The Sean and Matt Show. My name is Matt. That is Sean, and welcome to our show. Sean, in today's episode, yeah. we're going to be talking about how nearly half of new home buyers in the Southwest are backing out of their contracts and what that'll mean for the real estate market moving forward. Wow. We're going to be talking about the most affordable and the least affordable cities in the United States. Where does your income associated with how much you're paying in terms of housing per month, where does that stack up? Affordable, top 10, most affordable. Then we're also going to get into the uh, top three properties that we're going to look at for in or out, whether Sean Battle's in or out on three properties. One of them is a $200 island. $200? $200 million. 200 million. 200 million. Just uh, a couple (laughs) commas. Couple zeros off there, buddy. Commas off. (laughs) Couple commas off there. All right, let's start with an article from Inman.com. Nearly half the um, new home buyers in the Southwest are backing out. So, Sean, essentially, there was a a survey done, and Inman got their news from WolfStreet.com. So, survey done for uh, new home builders on how many buyers are actually backing out of properties. And so um, for October 2022, this is now um, two months old, but still kind of gives a good idea of home buyers backing out. For October 2022, the cancellation rate nationwide was just under 27%. Jeez, so that man. is the, the highest it's been um, in many years. And it's been broken down by uh, geographic area. So the Southwest led the way with a 45% cancellation rate. Texas, Northwest, Northern California, right behind them at 39%, 30%, and 28% um, respectively. And to give you an idea, like Texas, for example, 39% cancellation rate up twelve per- up from 12% a year ago. So a year ago, 12%. Now Texas, which is you know in, in second place, if you will, is at 39%. So Sean, when you're seeing all of these cancellations for new builds, what comes to mind? Man, that is huge. And you know what? This is par for the course right now as far as how the interest rates have affected the real estate market. Um, This is actually a huge number of cancellations. Now, you know, new construction, I used to do new construction for a while and we always saw cancellations. There's always going to be somebody that's backing out. They get cold feet, that's understandable. But right now, what is causing this If you think about new construction, right? A typical house in this area, like I did a few last year, I think it took between six and eight months from the time you go under contract to the time you actually move into your house, probably about eight eight months, maybe maybe a little more, depending on the builder, depending on what they're building and how far along they are. Now, sometimes you go um, under contract and it's it's just a lot, it's barren land and you've got to get all this stuff. But if you're going with one of these big builders, they've got everything pretty much running as a system. But what happens here is that you go under contract and you have to be approved basically for your financing within 30 to 45 days. That's usually what a contract is going to say, a builder contract. Now, keep in mind, these builder contracts are not your regional contracts that we would use. These are builder-sided contracts that they're going to create for themselves. They protect themselves more, more than anything. But there's a 30 to 45 day period that you have to be approved in that contract from the time you ratify it, meaning the day that you and that builder say, hey, okay, we're good on the price and everything else. But what happens is you have to wait and wait and wait this whole time until the house is done. So you could have been approved at the first 45 days at three and a half percent. 
But now, as we've seen, these interest rates have skyrocketed quicker than we've ever seen before. And now that same person that was approved at three and a half might still be approved at six and a half, right? That's the thing. If you're still approved at six and a half, hey, sorry, you didn't lock in. And that's the one thing that you always have to think about when you're doing new construction. Are you going to lock in your interest rate right now? And lenders will allow or give you, you know, a free lock up to, you know, 45 days, 60 days possibly. But anything beyond that, you're going to have to lock in with that interest rate, meaning you're going to have to pay either an upfront cost right now. Hey, I'm going to pay you a half a percent or whatever it is to lock in. And sometimes those locks are longer, sometimes they're shorter. And if they're longer, they're going to be more expensive. So when I was purchasing, I was thinking about purchasing new construction and I actually pulled out the next day after I thought about it a little bit longer. I'll get it, go into that some other time. But my fear back, even back then was interest rates, interest rates. Oh my gosh, you know, this is a big purchase. Am I going to do it? You know, so that whole interest rate pop is killing people. Now, the other thing that you have to remember is that in a new home sales contract, in, in a resale contract, we're putting a deposit uh, of, you know, one, two, three percent, sometimes a little higher, five percent, depending. In a new home sales contract, you're putting five, 10, 15, 20 percent as a deposit on some of these things. Then you go to the uh, thing afterwards and pick out all the stuff you want in the house and your deposit goes up even further. So you back out and your deposit is pretty darn big. Like I did one this year, the deposit alone was $300,000. You're buying a $1.3 million wow. home. Yeah, you know, we did that to secure the, the lot because it was competitive at the time. But you're talking $100,000. Are you gonna just walk away from that? Because again, that builder-sided contract is probably gonna keep them in. Um, Have you had any of your clients this year back out of new home sales? Not of a new home sales, thankfully. Um, I had one back out. You know, we wrote the contract, it was accepted, and there was a three-day HOA doc, and we were, they were like, you know what, we don't really like this one as much. Yeah. You know, we're just going to see what's on the resale market. And they bought a, a better resale, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and you know, this happens all the time, even in a, I mean, what just happened to me last month. Uh, people get cold feet all the time. And when you have an HOA or an, uh, a condo document review period, they can back out for no reason whatsoever. So the other thing I want to talk to you about in, in new home construction, right, is in the contract, there is usually a period of time they, they say that they have to build your house, right? Normally, hey, it's, it's going to take six months. We should have it done in six months. But in the contract that I just went and reviewed, I said, I went to look to see how long that period was. They had up to two years to deliver your home, not six months, two years. So if anything happens, they're still not in default of the contract for two years to deliver that home. Think about what happens to markets in two years, right? The other clause in there was aside from that, if anything unforeseen comes up like supply chain issues, right? The issues that are affecting us right now that we had never thought about before, but now we know those things, whatever delay uh, that occurred that that pushed it, they can add to the two years. So now you're waiting and waiting for this house. You've put a huge deposit down. Your interest rate has gone up. What are you going to do? And not only that, values are dropping, right? So you went under contract for $900,000 for your brand new home in, in Texas. And now, you know, it's worth 800 and you're still in it and you've got a $100,000 deposit. What do you do? Do you 
do you just walk away from the hundred grand? Well, your value's gone down a hundred thousand. You know, so there's so many things to think about in new construction and so many things to be wary about. And this is going to happen more and more and more. You know, it's so interesting because when my buyer was backing out of the contract for, by the way, I don't know if it's going to be $900,000 new construction in Texas. Yeah, I'm, I, I just said a number because, you know. But it made me think, you know, 500. my buyer was going under contract for like a $900,000 purchase. And then, they, uh, you know, I was talking with the agent and I was like, yeah, we're going to back out. And she's like, oh, that's fine. We're probably going to raise prices next week anyways. So essentially, that was March of 2021 where we were under contract and then... If anyone backed out of their new home sales, the new home sales agent was like, okay, that's fine. You know, we're going to just raise prices because we can't get rid of these things fast enough. Absolutely. And now the opposite is happening. So another thing I wanted to point out is a lot of times in these contracts, there's no appraisal contingency, right? So usually when the builder, uh, the financing, they have a lot of sales to, to keep the values up because it's just churning in this big development. But what happens when we see things happen like now? and these, these property values keep coming down, um, is that appraiser going to be able to keep that value? Well, all, a lot of those went under contract for a long, you know, a long time ago, but what if those fall out and now they're worth less? So that, the funny thing is, you think about, oh, what if it doesn't appraise? Um, what, is the, what is the builder going to do? But in reality, right now, they don't want these people backing out because the values have dropped. So they don't wanna to have to try to resell this. So in some ways, not having an appraisal contingency could hurt you. But at the same time, you're like, well, do you really want this coming back on the market? Because you're going to have to sell this for a lot less. And maybe you have a little negotiation power there, even though you're kind of under contract, right? Because they don't want you to back out, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. And in the Southwest, you know, 45% cancellation rate last year, it was 9%. So that wow. has just shot that is right insane. up. And, you know, with 45% uh, of the people in the Southwest canceling, I'm curious to know how quickly they're able to move this product once it's back on um, the open market. I think the survey was like 20% of the entire national home builders. So it is a smaller slice, but it, it does share and, and shed light on a bigger picture of just how many of these home buyers are just, you know, thrown in the towel and saying, no, I, I can't do it anymore. Yeah. And it's so funny. I mean, I'll say one more thing about home builders and realtors and, and how this all works, but like, the thing that drives me crazy about home builders, and if you're watching, you know who you are, because a lot of times they'll say, I hate realtors. And I'm not saying everyone, but they'll they'll play that game that, oh, I, I don't like realtors because we have to pay them, basically. But what happens is when the market's really hot, they pay nothing. Sometimes they won't pay you anything. And then when the, when the market's slow, like right now, they're like, I'll pay you whatever you want. Just please bring us up client. And it's like, if you would just normalize that and just stay consistent, you'd probably be better off preach i'm preaching man i'm tired of it you know not a sermon just a thought <laughs> all right let's move on to our next topic this comes to us from the washington the new uh, excuse me the new york times where are the most and least affordable homes a new study compares the median home prices against household income to determine affordability so sean any guesses on the least affordable cities in the united states where the um the income is a, like a very high percent. Like where are people spending 80% of their income on housing? Where the median income for a city, if you were to do that as a yeah. rent payment, is very high. I mean, I always say this, but it's it's probably that Midwestern city. Uh, no, just think, think of expensive cities. Oh, okay. I don't think I phrased it correctly. Okay. 
All right. Um, so we're th- we're talking L.A. We're talking New York. All right. No peeking uh, at my Miami. Lapt- no peeking at my laptop. I wasn't, I'll go through, I wasn't peeking. I'm I'll go through the up. top ten. So <laughs> you've already mentioned a couple of them. Um, so Jersey City, San Diego, Oakland, Long Beach, San Francisco, Halea, Florida, uh, Newark, New Jersey, New York, L.A., and Miami are are the top three. So you know Miami, L.A., New York, and it's essentially percent of income spent. You know, versus yeah, on housing, and when you look at the median household income for Miami, it says forty four thousand dollars, and then the December median home price five ninety eight, with a a monthly payment of thirty one eighty three. I don't think the people that are making forty four thousand dollars per year are living in places that cost eighty six percent of their income. I think. They're looking at a median household income to include renters and homeowners yeah. alike. I don't think people spend – I mean, there are, there are definitely people out there spending 86% of their income, but I don't think if you're making $44,000 a year, you're buying a, a $600,000 house. Well, where that could change in Miami, Florida might be a really good example of this is the retirees, right? They're not making any money. They're just paying themselves out of retirement. So that might be where that is is skewed a little bit. Um and they're just probably buying things with cash of their old, you know, investments or selling their old home. And so their their actual income from their retirement is forty four grand. I can't imagine that being any different. Making forty four thousand dollars and buying a eight hundred or five hundred thousand dollar place does you're not going to get approved. I mean, these are typical where we thought it would be. But the thing is, you know, you would think that the the amount of money you can make in these cities is much higher than. You can in Pittsburgh and Ohio and all these other areas because there's just much more there. But maybe I'm wrong. You might be doing some spoiler alerts for Ah. the most affordable cities. Ah. Okay, Um, see that? uh, Halea, which I'm pretty sure I'm pronouncing wrong, is uh, just outside of Miami. So essentially, and dude, Miami is always on these lists, right? Yeah. It's like, where's the most of like, what city is going to bubble? Where's the most uh, uh, expensive city? It's always like Miami. Mm-hmm. Any other surprises? I mean, San Diego, obviously. San Francisco, you know, it's, you know, $126,000 is the median household income. And you'd be, if you bought the median home price of 1.4, you're spending 67% of your income. That's just a disaster. It, it is. And that's, you know, I would think that San Francisco in that case, the, the prices are so high that, that that would be number one, you know, you would think. But, you know, I, I wonder why D.C. isn't on this list, you know, the Northern Virginia suburbs, because, you know, we're pretty high priced. People make a lot of money here, I guess, because of the government and, you know, all the industry here. But uh, it's, it's surprising that we're not. I know Arlington's median household income is, is a lot higher, is probably six figures. Yeah. And the median home price is close to six hundred thousand. Yeah. But you you'd have to have like a San Francisco median type of um, home price to uh, make it on a list like yeah. this. Yeah. Well, let's look at the most affordable cities for homeowners. Sean, okay. any um, any thoughts? You've already said one of the most affordable. There was a, a city on our list last week which predicted the twenty twenty three best real estate markets that is on list this is this list as well. Hmm. Any other thoughts? Um, was my hometown, my old hometown, uh, one of them? Coming in at number 10 is the Berg. The Berg. I'm telling you, man, it's super affordable. Um, you know, you can find houses for a hundred and something thousand dollars. And, you know, they're little tiny houses, but still, I mean, if you want to just live comfortably and 
live life not worrying about big expenses and things like that, Pittsburgh's it. And honestly, I look at investing in Pittsburgh because you can actually afford and cash flow there. You know, there are opportunities there where you can actually cash flow. We're here. Buy the block. Buy the block. You can buy the block compared to here. You buy one house, you know? Sean, there's a city in Virginia. Any guesses on what in city Virginia, I would in probably, Virginia? Is it a, a pretty decent sized city? I was, uh, Richmond? Not Richmond. No. Okay. So we're going to go with, um, no, I don't know. Five, four, three, two. So uh, the list is Pittsburgh at 10, Omaha, Virginia Beach, Virginia Beach Anchorage, yeah. Louisville, Kentucky, which was on our list last yeah, week, okay. Lubbock, Cleveland, and then top three, Detroit, Fort Wayne, Indiana, and then Wichita, Kansas coming in at number huh. one, where people spent um, 16% of their income, uh, median household income, 59000 uh, December median home price one hundred and forty five thousand dollars. Yeah, you look at Detroit. Look at that. You can buy a house for ninety grand. Is the median? Is that the what, the median? So sales price? December median home price ninety thousand. I mean, we kind of have to read between the lines because if you're an investor and you're buying properties for twenty thousand dollars in December, like that's going to show up. Yeah. Um, and then you know, median household income for Wichita, Kansas, is sixty thousand, and you're going to tell me the median household income for Miami is forty four thousand. Maybe that makes sense on paper with like service jobs and things like that and, and public service. But um, yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely like a edutainment, like educational list. Um, yeah. I'm, well, I'm thinking Louisville is, is might be the place to be. Yeah, Louisville, baby. Um, the other thing you have to think about Miami is there are so many foreign investors there. So those foreign investors are skewing the prices because they're just buying these high prices all the time. Um, which are pushing up values and making it harder for the people that actually live there to afford them. Um, so, you know, two things to think about in Miami is, is foreign investors and retirees. So the lowest monthly payment on this list was Detroit, which came in at an average of uh, $554 for December. You know, take That's that with amazing. a grain of salt. Yeah. The highest monthly payment, to no surprise, San Francisco, $7,000 with the December uh, median home price of one point four. So. Yeah. Most affordable cities for homeowners, definitely places to watch. I mean, I think the obvious ones like Detroit are always on these lists, but yeah. you know, Louisville, Louisville is, you know, what, what's the saying at first you, um, you caught my, my attention. Now at first you caught my eye. Now you have my attention. So yeah. There's, there's a famous it's Louisville movie, twice movie quote, but Louisville In two weeks. Yeah. Um, well, we had mentioned Florida a couple of times, so let's get into in or out, whether Sean battle is in or out okay. on three different properties and let's go to Palm Beach, Sean. Okay. The only private island in Palm Beach oh, is for sale. Ten Tarpon Island is Ugh. for sale for $218 million. It is um, 11 bedrooms, 15 full bathrooms. It actually sold recently, uh, I believe, for $83 million, And then they, they completely uh, redid it. Um, they added a new pool. Um, and essentially, it's... Accessible by boat and by car and by bridge, making it the most secluded spot on Billionaire's Row. Sean, are you in or out on Tarpon Island for $218 million? I am 100% in on, He's on in. this amazing property. Holy cow. This thing is, when you showed, when I saw the first picture, it looked like a computer rend rendering because it was just so 
perfect. I mean, look at that. I mean, thing. it kind of might be a computer rendering because it it I mean, was that, um look at that. Thing. It was recently renovated. I don't see a helipad on here, but maybe you could <sighs> carve out a little, little chunk next to your uh, lighted tennis court. So the island is rectangular. It's just so cool. Like it's a you know man-made island rectangular. There's a bridge coming over to it. That's the that is amazing. It has two pools, huge white structure. I was that thinking is... uh, like rising sea levels could be an issue because you're in Florida and you're on a man-made sure. island. Uh, but I saw a video of it and there's like the sea levels would have to rise like significantly, like four feet, which yeah. probably will happen, but maybe hopefully not in our lifetime. Yeah. Um, but dude, I am so in on that thing the is private one island. of the it, coolest things I've it seen. It was renovated by, oh, now I'm going to mess up his name. Michael, Michael, someone who... Um, who is like one of the best um, developed by Todd Michael Glazer, who's uh, allegedly one of the best uh, developers in the Miami area. Mm. So um, listing comes to us from Christian Engel, uh, broker president for um, for the listing down there. So Sean and I are both in on the $208 million <laughs> island. Okay. We got we to gotta do some more sales to get that one though. Let's go over to Nebraska and check out a former missile silo in Nebraska that is now for sale. Slightly different than a $200 million Not as picturesque, island. Matt. Not as picturesque. So, you know, in, in the Cold War, there were mi missile silos, um, you know, to, to beat, you know, the, the, the Ruskies. Um, thankfully, we didn't have to use them. But uh, this property is now for sale in Elmwood, um, Nebraska for $250 thousand dollars and what a missile silo is is it's kind of exactly what it sounds like you know for a, a missile you'd have to uh put it very deep into the ground and, and then you put this like cover over it to protect it and now it's decommissioned um you know people the the soldiers did live there at one point and you could imagine just the the chaotic condition that it's in and you know it's two hundred fifty thousand dollars and you know maybe 20 minutes outside of lincoln nebraska so it's it's a little DIY sort of situation, but it's also pretty cool because you got your it own is. command center. And if you are a doomsdayer, then you you kind of have a head start on uh, on your bunker situation. So, yeah. Sean, are you in or out on a $250,000 former missile silo in Nebraska? <clears throat> Matt, by looking at – I mean, this is a really cool concept uh, to purchase a missile silo, but I am completely out on this one. Because the aerial footage got my attention and it looks like it's a junkyard, basically. <laughs> you know, you're, yeah. you, you, the people just scattered their stuff all throughout this whole acre and a half. Do you have the vision of it? Do you have the vision? <clears throat> yeah, but the vision is so, you're going to spend so much in the middle of Nebraska to get this vision going. It could be very cool, but it's decrepit. It's, it needs so much work that I think the, the the amount of money that you're going to have to put into this property to make it anything cool is way too much. So I think the price is going to have to come down before I'm in. I like the concept, but the condition, I'm out. So this is actually the second time that a decommissioned miss, missile silo has been for sale. The first one sold in 12 days to a YouTuber, and now he's making like crazy YouTube videos about it. So right. I think that that's maybe one of your buyers bought as a novelty purchase. There you go. So um, I I think I'm I'm out on the the bombshell. I'm out on the missile silo, but just by a hair, yeah. just by I mean, the slightest of hairs. There's some cool things about it. I, I want to bring up one thing about this while we're talking about this. 
in my neighborhood where I grew up in Pleasant Hills was the first house that had um, a bunker in it, an underground bunker. And it was like below a wishing well. It was the coolest thing. Just wanted to Are you a sure. bunker guy? Like would it would building a bunker be in your future at some no, point? No, I'm not I'm not a doomsday prepper or anything like that. But I I just thought it was neat that it was like in Pleasant Hills. Like why would you need a bunker in Pleasant Hills? But it was that Cold War kind of time, you know. Russia is like, you know what, forget about DC. We're going after Pittsburgh. Yeah, we're going right. after Pleasant Pittsburgh Hills. Pittsburgh is it, man. That's hey, where it, we're going. Big steel steel air and industry back then. So Okay. And enough. With and this. honestly, they used to close those <laughs> they closed those uh steel mills and they, they made bombs. Did you know that? No. They actually made bombs in those steel mills. So there you go. All right, let's go to the third um, property. This is a mid-century modern charmer in Wisconsin that is shaped like a ship, and it is on the market for $365,000. It's essentially a, a time capsule, and then when you get inside, it's supposed to look and feel like a ship. It uh, The sellers bought it in March. They decided it was too big for them, only two owners, um, you know, everything about it is ship like, and for you mid-century modern lovers out there, this could be a, a pretty cool pickup in Wisconsin. So Sean, are you in or out on a ship like mid-century modern for $365,000? I love mid-centuries, man. I'm, I'm in, uh, I haven't seen the ship like look, but I can see kind of the sailish look in the front of it. I, I love the mid-century style. Um, and so I think when you can get one, you buy it. Um, hold on to it. Those things are go always going to be, there's always going to be those mid-century modern freaks that just want it, you know, and, and I'm kind of one of them. So I like it. I'm buying it. Dude, I'm so out. I'm so out on mid-century modern. <laughs> I don't want to, like if I want a house that looks like a ship, it's it's got to be near a body of water. Like mm. you can tell me uh, there's going to be a ship in Nebraska. You just say mid-century. Where are we, I'm, Wisconsin? Maybe there's a body of water in Wisconsin near Green Bay. Yeah, Fine. Sure. Yeah. But uh, I'm out on a ship like we did the one ship like house like in Michigan or, or whatnot. And it was like on the water. Kind of Yeah, cool. but you know what? The difference between that one, yeah, it was cool, but it, it actually looked like a ship. This, yeah. when you look at the front, it it's doesn't a, look it's like a stretch. It, I don't think it looks like a ship at all. I know? think we would need a better initial photo. When you look at the, the kitchen, this kind of looks like, okay, I could see okay. how maybe. But like when you're inside, it's like, all right, well, this is just a house that has a yeah, shack carpet and no windows. I think they're stretching on that whole ship, ship thing. They're really pushing the ship. Yeah, I don't see it. I'm out. <laughs> all right, well, we'd love to know what you all think about the ship-like house and uh, maybe a $200 million island. Are you in the market? Because um, Sean and I know some great agents down in the Palm Beach area we can hook you up with. Oh, so yeah. be sure to drop us a comment. Hit the thumbs up button if you haven't already. Subscribe if you're into us, if you're into the show. And until next time, we'll see you then. Take care.